everybody. This is Dr. Joe Armstrong. Thank you for listening to The Moves Room. Please remember to check out our website, extension.umn.edu. Please catch us on Facebook and throw us a like, at UMN Dairy and at UMN Beef. This episode you hear at the end, we switch to briefly talking about dairy, and then we're going to cut. Got too long, and so we're going to split this episode. You'll hear about dairy next week as we talk calving distribution for those dairies that calve seasonally. Thank you for listening, everybody. Please enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Moose Room, everybody. We are here today, just the OG3, no guest. We are talking about calving distribution. It's something that came up last week when we were talking with Andrew Swanson about beef genetics. We just kind of want to continue that conversation today. So the first thing we're going to get into and talk about, well, I guess we should recap real quick to make sure everyone knows we are keeping track of the beef breeds, everybody's favorite beef Oh, yes. Breeds. We should recap where we're sitting. Emily, remind everybody what your favorite breed is. Kianina. Kianina. And then Bradley is? We're going Hereford. Hereford. An American classic. An That's American right. classic. And then we've got two for Black Angus. So Black Angus are leading the way. That would be mine. And then Andrew's vote from last week. Got to have more beef guests so we, you guys have a chance to catch up. That's what we're looking for. I really am feeling good about Kianina's pulling out the win on this one. <laughs> I think you might be in the same situation as your Dutch they work. They work really good for show animals. A little key in them makes a really nice uh, club calf. I mean, they're beautiful uh, yeah. looking cattle. They're gorgeous. They're big. They're muscly. Just the way I like my men. <laughs> I knew that was coming next. <laughs> All right. Anyways. Anyways. Calving distribution. Calving Why distribution. does it matter, Joe? Okay, calving distribution matters, and we'll we'll come back to this at the end. And and really, we could wrap the podcast right after this. I say this: it's it's money and it's health. Both are affected by calving distribution. And the first step is figuring out how long your calving window is going to be. I guess actually, the first decision is that you're going to define that time length. Uh, some some producers don't. You know, you got calves dropping year round, bulls out there year round, and sometimes that's a space issue. Sometimes there's some lack of labor that goes into that, but really the first step is figuring out, are you going to define a time frame? And usually what we think about is, all right, how long is a cow's cycle, right? She's got 21 day cycle. And if you give her, how many cycles should you give her before she either is or isn't going to get, be pregnant? On the dairy side, we talk about you know, that's always up for debate. How long, how many breedings are you going to give a cow? And I have my opinions. I'm sure Brad and Emily have theirs as well. But on the beef side, I mean, they have to get pregnant. They have to have a calf every year or they really shouldn't be in your herd. So there's a lot of studies out there to show that actually, if you leave the bull in pretty much year round, uh, after 90 days, it really doesn't make a big difference for your pregnancy rate. So even if you leave the bull in 120 days, your pregnancy rate will be no better than it was at 90 days. And so when there's two, three, four stragglers, I think that's, that's where we, we have to draw the line. And, uh, and really, that, that's what the studies are telling us. So yeah, so that's where I start. 90 days is kind of where I begin the conversation. And if you're going to pick a time frame at all, just to start with, 90 days is great. Now that still gives you four, four and a half cycles 
And for a beef cow, that's a long time. She better get pregnant, I think, in three. Uh, that That is plenty of time for a properly taken care of beef cow to get pregnant. Three strikes, you're out. Three strikes, you're out. 60 days, it should be your calving window. I've, I've said that the entire time I was in practice, and I don't, I don't really waver from it. Uh, there's some select, very few situations where it makes sense to expand it because of seed stock operations, AI. Um, but now that we have genomic testing to know what, what parents are, whose parents are who, you know, and whose kids are whose, then you know you don't have to extend it out for that reason anymore. Or do the old Hereford trick. I forgot to mention this last week. You know, and to know parentage, there's some guys on the Angus side that will AI everybody Angus, and then they'll throw a Hereford cleanup bowl out. And then they know if they come out baldy, AI didn't stick, right? That happened on our farm. A guy came and bred a cow, and then he had a breeder again, but he didn't have that same bowl. So he just put milking shorthorn in her. And then we had to wait to see what color the cap was. Yeah, there's definitely a ways Who's around your daddy? Who's your daddy? Important <laughs> question. Important question. So, yeah, I like 60 days. You know, there's a lot that goes into that, and there's some a lot of calculations you can do and look at the time frame for, for why I like 60. Most of it is that she better get pregnant in three chances or she, she probably should leave. Uh, other than that, though, it's about recovery time after pregnancy. You need some time to recover, believe it or not, uh, after you've after you've had a calf. Uh, that cow can't just immediately become pregnant the next day, and you wouldn't want her to anyway. Hmm. Weird. Biology. <laughs> Biology. At a minimum, minimum, we're talking three weeks, three to four weeks before she's ready to get pregnant again. Really, that can stretch out to 30 to 45 days to be realistic. And if you look at how many days are in the year, and if you want that cow to calve on the same day she calved this year, there's not a whole lot of time for much more than that. How long? Uh, how long is a typical calving season in a beef herd? They all like to do it in a couple month time period, or you know, for our dairy, at least here in uh, Morris, we like to calve everything within a two two and a half month time period. So three breedings, that's, that's about max. And some cows or heifers don't even get three breedings. Right. And I think uh, on the beef side, it, it ranges all over the place. I mean, you got guys that have got it really, really, really tight. Uh, and, and they can, their whole breeding season, whole calving season is 42 days. So two cycles. You can get that tight with doing a couple different things. And then there there's all sorts of people that are all the way on the other end too. And everything in between where you don't have a calving season at all. You just calves calve when the calf cows are just out there with the bull all the time. And that's uh that's a completely different management style, but chaos reigns. And like I said, there's different, there's different reasons for that. If you, if you're looking to be the most profitable that you can be, you have to have a tight window in my opinion. And it needs to be tighter for heifers even, you know, because you're, you're making your, your selections based on fertility in those heifers. And really, you should be really strict on your, on your requirements for those heifers so that they can stay in your herd and get pregnant again. And, and you're really selecting for that fertility. You really shouldn't be giving your heifers very much time at all. I love to AI heifers if I can. And then I love to keep that, that calving window 
that on those heifers at 42 days, 42 days would be great on heifers. I like 60 to 80 days on the cows. So very similar to the, what the, the dairy is doing. Mm-hmm. What impact, if any, does herd size have on calving distribution, right? You know, I have 30 cows, Brad has 300 cows. Would you make the same recommendations for both of us? Or, and I know there's all those other factors, labor, et cetera, but just kind of strip all that away for a second. And just from a number standpoint, herd size, what would that, does it make any difference? Uh, No, not in my opinion. I mean, really you want to be as tight as possible, no matter what. And when we're talking about that, we're really talking, we talked about it last week with Andrew. We're talking about money, money that's on the table. We talk about a lot of different things that can affect calf size, calf weight, and we're paid by the pound, right? You know, we always say everybody thinks genetics, everybody thinks feed, everybody thinks all these things that matter all this much for for calf size. And really when it comes down to it, the most important factor is age. Just older calves are heavier. The more time I can give those calves to grow, the heavier they're going to be when I sell them. And that's why we want to have a tight window. And preferably, even within that window, we want to push everything all the way to the front uh, so that those calves are uniform and we have the most chance for them to get to get big, just purely based on time. And there, there's a lot of, I mean, it, it's uniformity and consistency that goes along with that too. So I, I don't think it changes based on herd size. It should be just kind of a general thing that you should try to do with any beef herd, even if you only have two cows. Joe, do you have a preference of season for calving? And Brad, I mean, I know you guys do, you you know, this is the season of the year we like to do it. I know there are people that swear by kind of doing that late winter, early spring thing. Other people are doing fall. You know, I, I've seen all sorts of things. So I'm just curious what uh, both of your thoughts are on the actual season of the year uh, when calving's happening. I, I really tend to defer to the person that's going to have to be doing all the management and labor and all those other things to decide that. And here in Minnesota, you obviously try to avoid mud. Mud is your biggest enemy and you need to try to figure out how to avoid that as much as possible. So there's certain months that I prefer everyone stay away from unless you have amazing facilities that you can bring cattle in to get out of the mud. Everybody's Uh, on concrete. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that that's what you really need if you're going to pick certain months in Minnesota. So I would prefer to go really early, January, February. Uh, but then again, you need different kinds of facilities because you're now you're worried about keeping everybody warm enough. When I'm talking to people that are just starting out and maybe it's a hobby, maybe it's something that they're looking to grow. If, it, if it's not their main profession, like if they're trying, if they're trying to do this on the side and they have a day job in town, right? I love fall calving. I absolutely love it. Why wouldn't you pick a calving ease bowl and have all your calvings happen in September? Like the perfect time of year. They can be on pasture. There's no mud. There's just so many advantages to that. So that's that's something we seriously talk about with anybody who's who's just getting started and definitely anybody who has a day job, especially if it's not very flexible. Uh, and then at least you're still in the time of the time of the year where days are fairly long. So when you do get home from your day job, it's still light out and go check cattle in the daytime. And it's a lot easier to learn some of the stuff you need to know rather than trying to do that in the middle of the night in January. 
Uh, and, yeah, and, and you had a calf on the ground for six hours and she doesn't have ears anymore. Exactly. So that's it comes down to management style for me and, and what time of year you're going to do. Now, if you're going to do seed stock, you got to be early because you just have older bulls by the time you sell. So again, it comes down to size and weight and actually maturity for breeding. And you, you know, I've heard some beef producers talk calving, you know, some like to calve in the spring, but there's others that like to calve in the fall because you have to think about when those animals are going to market. And in certain seasons, they may be, uh, you get a better price for those animals going to market. And which is typically maybe in the springtime from fall born calves. So um, I think there's obviously economics is the big thing, the big driver, even though probably a majority of people have spring calves, but there may be an advantage to some fall calving as well because of economics behind it. Yeah, totally agree. There's definitely a, a supply and demand thing there. You know, majority of the calves are born in the spring. So if you have fall calves, you're hitting a market that isn't uh, overwhelmed with that size calf and that size feeder. So, And it's the, you know, it's the same for the dairy world as well, because milk price is a little bit higher typically in the wintertime because, you know, you have butter and cheese and everything for the holidays. So, you know, if you want to have more production, so maybe you would calve in the fall and get maximum production for that time of the year versus milk prices down a little bit in the spring and summertime. It's that way, especially for grazing herds, but we do see that in the conventional world too, that the milk price tends to be up a little bit higher in the fall time. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, it's a, it's a perfectly good reason to try to, to switch the calving season around, no matter what you do before dairy, you know, that there's just too many situations now where we have people that don't work full time on the farm and they're trying to manage two different things at once. And you, there's certain decisions that you can make that may or may not be conventional, but it just makes life easier for you if you're doing that. And one of those things for me on the beef side, for sure, is you got to if you calve in the fall, you're making things a lot easier for you uh, from a management standpoint, if you got a daytime job. All right. So the other piece of this whole thing that I think is really, really important, and, and it has a lot to do with just how heavy those calves are, like we talked about, that are born early in the calving window. The more you can stack it towards the front, the more you can have your calves born in the first, uh, the first cycle. And when we really look at that, you define your 60 days, and then you need to define when you want your calves born. And really, like the average or like your goal initially should be 60% of your calves born in the first 21 days and 25% born in the second 21 days, and then 10% born in the third. That's a pretty standard look for me, and that gives you a 5% open rate. Anything you can do after that to push it towards the front is a bonus, and you're, you're adding you know, basically marginal pounds or however you want to look at it if you want to talk about kind of like marginal milk. There's lots of different ways to do that ton of different ways to do that. We alluded to last week, we talked about sinking cows, right? Sinking cows and pushing everything towards the front. So everybody's at the same time. And I know Andrew didn't probably appreciate it that we were talking about, you can put bulls out, but you can put bulls out. Right. Uh, so, so if you don't have the ability or don't, for whatever reason, don't want an AI, you can put bulls out with sinked cows and you don't need, you don't need extra bulls to do that which is really surprising to me. It really, really kind of blew my mind when I, I saw that research out in Nebraska to show that there was no difference in pregnancy rate 
if you added more bulls versus if you kept the the traditional uh, stocking rates for bulls. That was nice to hear because now you've got this big tool in your pocket, but you don't need to go out and purchase more bulls to make it work. It just makes it, it makes it pencil out so much easier. So sinking cows is one of the ways to do it. Probably the easiest way to do it is to make sure your cows are healthy. You know, that I mean, we, we, we look past it a lot sometimes when we think about, think about bulls a lot when we're talking about breeding, but that, that mama cow has to be the perfect body condition and she should be a stable body condition year round. So now we're starting to talk about a lot of the stuff we talked about with scours too, right? There's a lot of overall health and management things that you do to get your breeding seasons straight and right. And that that's bunk space. That's body condition scoring and knowing what it's supposed to look like, those kind of things. So doesn't nutrition play a big role in all of this more so trying to get your cows pregnant at a certain time and probably goes along with it, but maybe nutrition isn't somewhat stressed enough to be able to do that, which goes back to body condition score. At least in my mind, body condition score makes up a lot for pregnancy status, at least in the dairy herd. Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. The nutrition is, is way overlooked sometimes. And, and like I said, we focus on the bull, you know, primarily and you forget about that cow, but yeah, I mean, and it's not just about being having enough calories and having enough groceries because you can have way too many fat cows don't get pregnant either. It's about being the correct body condition as much as possible and being consistent with it. And that, that makes a big, big difference in your, in your ability to get pregnant and actually makes a huge, huge difference in your ability to recover from pregnancy and get everything uh, working correctly so that you can get pregnant again. All that stuff that we've talked about in the past with the scours and everything else, just good maternal health is going to make up for a lot of different things. The other piece of this is that your your best cows and your most profitable cows always calve early. And it's mostly because their calves are heavier, but then they stay there. And there's, a lot, there's some studies out there that show that it, we're back to pr- productive longevity. We talked about this on the dairy, on the beef side. It doesn't matter. You want cows that stick around a long time and pay for themselves over and over and over again. That's what you get when you get your heifers, especially your heifers, to calve in that first 21 days right away. Okay, So they, they, if they calve in that first 21 days as a heifer in your calving distribution, they're much, much more likely to stay in your herd and be more profitable. One of the studies that I, I love to look at, it, it came out of Texas A&M, and they were looking at different, different distributions. And they were looking on lifetime return on investment based on when they calved as a two-year-old. And, and it's absolutely amazing, the numbers. I mean, we're looking at in the first 21 days versus if they calve, let's just look at if they calve in the fourth 21 days. So what that's not even, that's if you have an 80-day 80, 80 calving season. There's, there's consistently a 10% or more difference in your return on investment in favor of that animal when they calve in the first 21 days versus the fourth. So it just sets them up on, on their lifetime if they calve right and the calve in that first 21 days right away. We haven't talked about health yet, have we? No. Let's talk about health, Joe. <laughs> Good transition, then. Well, here, I got a better one. Let's talk about health, baby. Let's talk about health, baby. 
Let's talk about you and me. <clears throat> so you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, Joe, that, you know, having distribution really comes down to two things, money and health, right? So we've really talked about the one. So now let's get to the other on this. Yeah. So, I mean, when we talked about money already and how uniform calf crop, everything up front, older calves, it's all more money, but, but you are helping yourself on the health side too, for sure. Again, talked about this in the scours episodes, but I mean, we're looking at pathogen accumulation and, and how much is there in, in your calving area. If you keep good records and you can see who got sick every year with scours, I, I would tend to f- say that those cases focus later in your calving window because pathogens have had time to accumulate and they're exposed to more. And so the more we can push everybody towards the front, those calves are old enough to handle it by the time they're exposed to a lot of those pathogens and how they've accumulated. So again, it's just, it's a health thing, you know, trying to get everybody towards the front and get everything tight can help you deal with those scours issues and and everything else when it comes to exposure. We should talk about bulls. Bulls are important. I know we talked about earlier how everyone talks about the bulls already and they forget about mom, but bulls Let's play. talk about bulls, oh. baby. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Super cut at the end, for sure. Um, <laughs> Me singing terribly. Well, not terribly. Mm, not so, well. <laughs> bulls play a big role in this calving distribution, right? And and specifically a big a big role in where those calves fall in your calving distribution. Are they going to be towards the front? Are they going to be strung out? And that has to do with the health of that bull. And first of all, getting that bull tested. A lot of guys don't test their bulls, and it's dangerous, very dangerous. It's very cheap insurance for you when your entire operation counts on having a calf crop. I've been to way too many preg checks that are just cringeworthy, and I say open a lot. And we're talking, we're in fall now. I mean, it's done. It's over. Your calf crop is set. And, you know, uh, one memorable one, I preg checked 100 cows and there was 16 pregnant. 16 pregnant. And that was all the bull's fault. Uh, he, he just wasn't right. And uh, they didn't test him. And so now you've got 16 calves when you thought you had 100. That's devastating. So test your bull. I'm just throwing a shameless plug out there for you. Talk to your veterinarian, test your bull, get, uh, get everything tested. Remember that doesn't mean just his semen. He needs to be able to walk. He needs to be able to see, he needs to be able to smell. All those things come into it. He needs to be healthy and he can't be fat. I hate fat bulls, hate fat bulls so much. Are you really fat shaming bulls right now? Yes. hundred percent. hundred percent period. They don't, they just don't, they get lazy and they don't want to do things and it messes with the testicles and then they get too hot and sperm quality goes down. Don't have fat bulls. The The big thing with the test is that it, it tells you they're good that day, right? And it doesn't test libido. So like if they, if uh, they can have good semen, they can have good feet and legs, they can do all this stuff. And then you turn them out to pasture and they just go lay down and eat and they don't ever breed a cow because they just have no drive to do it. So you need to watch him once he goes out there to make sure he's doing his job and make sure he doesn't get hurt when he's trying to do his job. We've talked about beef a ton now. We're going to transition over to talking about dairy. All the stuff we talked about, a lot of it applies to calving seasonally on a dairy. So a lot of our grazing herds, organic herds, 
do calves seasonally on the dairy. So fortunately, Brad is here. He manages a dairy that two, well, I guess one dairy with two two operations that both calve seasonally and, and are out on grass. So why, well, let's start with why do you guys calve seasonally instead of year round? That is a wrap on this episode. Thank you for listening, everybody. We'll move on to calving distribution and seasonal calving dairies next week. As always, scathing rebuttals, comments, questions, suggestions, send them to the Moose Room at umn.edu. That's T-H-E-M-O-O-S-R-O-O-M at umn.edu. Thank you for listening. Catch you next week. Let's talk about calves, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about stress, baby. It happens to you and me. Let's talk about health, baby. Let's talk about health, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about bulls, baby. Sorry. (laughs)